0: In this week's episode, we get into the nitty gritty of CPU performance and memory management and learn to love our new best friend, the profiler. What is it? When should you use it? And exactly how do you use it? All that and more on this week's Merge Conflict.
1: This week, James, I would like to talk about a little tool that I use all the time called a profiler. I use this tool constantly in my day job because I'm constantly trying to make my software faster and faster.
0: Have you ever used one of these? Uh, well, actually, more recently, I've, well, I mean, I, I should say that I've probably used a profiler in the past, but I probably didn't know what I was <laughs> doing. Um, I, I will say, though, I, I'm not a profiling expert. I wish that I was. I know now the basic concepts of profiling, but now that um, xamarin we've released like an official profiler profiler i'm learning a lot more about the different types of things to optimize and to check for so i'm actually realizing that i've probably done a lot wrong in the last five years of mobile <laughs> development but it, it kind of scares me that i didn't learn any of this kind of yeah. early on in my career like i didn't really learn about a profiler during school or even when i worked at canon um you Maybe. know it's kind of interesting that i didn't i don't actually know too much about profiling to be
1: honest well since you don't know much about it do you want to explain what it is or should i take a stab at it
0: well to me i mean i think there's a lot of things in profiling essentially i there's you know like let's say i use the xamarin test cloud right and this is not a profiling tool but it will tell me my memory usage and cpu Mm -hmm. usage
1: that's a and profiling tool. <laughs>
0: it's a profiling tool. So if I if I find large spikes in memory, or if I find mm-hmm. CPU cycles that are continuously going, there's something wrong with my application. Um, and usually, what I profile before um, that I is usually memory usage for images and bitmaps, mm-hmm. uh, especially around Android. I've used the device manager, we call it DDMS or the Android Device Monitor, which has been renamed. Which will do like network statistics, threads and heaps mm, and allocation. Lots of information. Yep. Yeah. And It is a terrible tool. <laughs> um, so
1: Profilers to me- have certainly come a long way. Um, yeah. we, we started with the old days of just logging statements. Yeah, you're using ten percent CPU now, ten minutes later it tells you twenty percent. We've had like server kind of logs forever that you could always refer to to find a profile, but it doesn't really help you when you're developing.
0: No, I mean, I think that I've I've used it. I wouldn't say I'm always profiling. I say that like I would profile in times of like, oh man, why is this thing? Why is this memory so higher? why is this activity (laughs) crashing? Um, Usually a good way of doing it on Android is you can um, you can go into the actual device settings and you can turn on certain flags so the UI will flash different um, colors based on Mm -hmm. like memory usage or if it's slow or whatever. And then I would go and, and profile based on that. But am I missing? Is it more than just CPU and memory? Is there like more things to profile? Uh, it,
1: it's the level of the detail that you want. Um, so for me, it is, it, it's mostly about CPU. Generally, when I'm profiling something, it's about the CPU. But we should say that, when you're profiling, you can profile everything. You mentioned some like networking. You can uh, profile the GPU versus the CPU, all these things. But in the past, I mostly just stick with CPU profiling and memory profiling because those are usually the things that kill you in an app, something like that. You know, yeah, we, we all know you, the network is
0: slow. <laughs> yeah, the network, the network is slow. Unless, unless you want to monitor maybe your if, if your app is chatty, right? I mean, mm. that, yeah. you can do it, that.
1: I remember some of the first software I was writing. Uh, We should say profiling is a big deal if you're writing a game or things that definitely hog a lot of the resources of the uh, phone, the device, your computer, whatever it is that we're talking about.
0: Yeah, you need those 60 frames per second, right? <laughs> You're like, I need to have the super optimized, best yeah, amazing right. thing
1: ever. I remember the first app I was running, it was a Seattle bus map drawer. So I was drawing a map, and I had all vector graphics for drawing all the streets. And I was doing this on the very first iPhone. So it was dead slow, zero memory. I basically lived inside of a profiler just trying to get it so that it was um, probably like five frames a second. I wasn't going even for 60 back then.
0: Yeah, I would say that that's, a probably, that's actually pretty accurate. That's about how far buses have, bus, bus technology has come to. <laughs> oh, oh yeah.
1: we really peaked there? Oh, darn. <laughs> I should know, get back I, into that business.
0: When I open one bus away, it's like. Doof because <laughs> it's just like doesn't <laughs> want to be traffic here or whatever
1: yeah so in that case um even though i was pushing the graphics what i really wanted was zero um cpu usage at the idle times because uh, if you're not playing a game an app should not be taking up any cpu it should be taking up a minimal amount of memory and it should be sitting there with a flat zero percent cpu cycle yeah. uh so even with that app, I would sit there and just slow down the frame rate, frame rate watching on the profiler on the one device. Oh, the good old days when there was only one iPhone. <laughs> and just watching on the device and just slowing it down until it was taking up like zero uh, battery usage, which is a big deal on yeah, that is, the mobile yeah, side. You
0: don't, yeah, you don't want your application to start spinning and hogging up. Actually, I just un- uninstalled Facebook um, <laughs> from my Android device. I read this article on Gizmodo or, yeah. or something like that and they go by uninstalling the facebook app you will get a 20 percent boost in your battery life of your android device (laughs) wow okay and i believe it i believe it because it does like all this stuff in the background and even when it's on the foreground it's just like super crazy i don't know i just like i don't want it to do anything
1: on ios at least we have that battery setting that'll show you how much uh percentage of your battery apps take up I think that thing's pretty fair, and well, I never use Facebook, so it never shows up in the list.
0: That's so not a bad yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I want to I come back to what you just said too, which is if your app or your game is sitting there, it shouldn't really nothing should be yeah. growing, right? I think yeah. we actually ran into this. So you you may know Frank, but some of our listeners may not know. I used to work on Xbox 360 games a long mm-hmm. time ago. Mm. Um, actually, our game just got. Um, just got released again for the Xbox One as part of the ba- backwards compatibility. Oh, fantastic. Uh, no one bought it then. No one will buy it now, but Ouch. it's there.
1: Don't you want to promote it at
0: all? Uh, it's called Shred Nebula. Awesome. Uh, so we actually, which is kind of funny because I worked a lot on the particle system and particles are interesting. These are things that are constantly being emitted over and mm. over again.
1: Recycled uh, constantly. And there's a lot of them.
0: Yes. And if you don't recycle them, then <laughs> then that memory keeps going up. <laughs> yeah. And we, we actually found... This is my early profiling is our profiling was uh, leave the game on for uh, an hour on the home mm-hmm. screen and will it crash? Because if so, then things are happening. We actually found some particles were leaking. We weren't cleaning up all these particles There would be too many. Like we didn't clean them up fast enough, you know, on the screen. Yeah. And they would just keep emitting and keep emitting from the actual launch screen because things are spiraling. And you, you yeah. would assume that it would get there to a peak position. And then just here it is. Um, <laughs> and yeah, instead, the graph just kept going up and up and up and
1: up is that it
0: yeah yeah exactly and eventually the xbox very depressing when that
1: happens you're like oh i know how i'm spending the rest of today (laughs) exactly
0: like oh where is this one thing i think i remember even one time it was something really strange it was all c++ code and uh i remember like leaking like some tight loop and i was like Leaking some object that I wasn't cleaned up or whatever, right? So it's just now like literally inside this tight loop, things are essentially just spinning up, spinning up, spinning up, and never being cleaned up. So as you would expect, you're <laughs> yeah. running out of memory at some point. So
1: it's actually funny. You, you see a lot of criticisms uh, criticisms against C Sharp when people started using like .Net for video games. They're like, "Well, I allocated twenty thousand objects per frame. Why can't the garbage collector keep up?" And you're like, "Well, it's garbage collected, but it's not magic. You know, <laughs> if you're yeah. sixty frames." A second generating twenty thousand objects. Do you think that's going to work out well?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. That's it's not. <laughs> that, it's not. If me in a lot of in some of my code, I'll do a manual. Um, you can you can say GC collect or GC whatever. Uh, that's terrible. Don't. <laughs> well, I mean, and there there's certain instances where I would want to where I'm I want to kind of force manually clean up and say, hey, it's okay to clean up these images yeah. or something like that at this point in time a good example of that is specifically around yeah android bitmaps i always come to android bitmaps and miguel explained well, it to me gracefully I want to because interject
1: real quick. The, re- the reason it always comes down to bitmaps is because the objects that we create in our code, like our little classes and we create little objects and we new them up, those things take up zero memory exactly. and they just don't matter in the grand scheme of things. So it's only when you hang on to large memory resources like images or operating system resources that memory and memory in double quotes. If you could see me, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> the memory matters, but really you're just tracking down these big resources to count. So exactly. sorry to interject. Back to your story of the images.
0: Well you totally stole my story. Oh did I shoot. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, that's what that, that's what happens, right? Is that you literally create this little bitmap and you're like, oh this is a little tiny look out bitmap, little bitmap, little <laughs> Um, And then you like load a bitmap into memory. I was actually tracking down this uh, talking about profiling. I was profiling my um uh I was profiling my media plugin And I wasn't properly disposing bitmaps or there was instances where I was loading into memory where I didn't need to, which takes time and it's big. So if you load a five meg bitmap into memory, like that (laughs) puppy is big.
1: And it's taking five megabytes of your like... (laughs) measly what do we get like do we get 100 megabytes by default of ram and then the operating system will give you a little more if you beg it's pretty pathetic it starts small anyway
0: it starts small and then the problem that you don't realize is that yeah the the actual managed side of it is very small it's a very small tiny cute little bitmap and then if you don't (laughs) properly dispose of things when you need to then it doesn't know when to free up the other ones it's more of a um managed to unmanaged side of things, you know, window. Yeah, that's but, why
1: I generally just call them resources so that we're not even cluttering with that. But you're right, like a window, that is actually a bitmap also. It's indirect and you really have to understand how the operating system works. But a lot of times that little object, that NS window object is actually this huge, you know, 10 megabyte object in the grand scheme.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I think like the the easiest way to, to, to profile is to, yeah, do something like I would continuously take photos until like if I could take a hundred photos I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure I wasn't leaking memory <laughs> you know that's what I was yeah. loading them up maybe you should kind of my... write a
1: unit test that takes 10,000 photos then <laughs> and exactly. just does it even more quickly Yeah, yeah so that's especially kind of when you're tracking by. down performance bugs like this it's, it's a real pain in the butt to actually reproduce them uh, yeah. especially kind of my apps that I write these simulation type apps usually means I gotta load a particular simulation and mm. kick it in the right ways and push it to its edge to find these
0: holes yeah uh, but there's some tools out there that we can use right Lots i mean of tools i'm excited
1: yeah. i want to talk about these i love yeah. profiling tools
0: yeah and i've been using the android i use the android one for a long time it, it does a lot of stuff it does like a lot of logging and allocations and whatnot mm-hmm. but it's a little bit trickier coming in the xamarin side of things where we want to we want to see our dotnet goodness type of stuff so you do get to see all the native bits So you'll see bitmaps being created and memory allocations yeah But you don't get to see the other flip side of it. But that's all I was, that's all I ever used. Ever. Mm. So I never use the iOS one. I never use anything for .NET. I don't even know. I'm, in, I'm a lost profiler <laughs> monkey at this point. I have no idea what to do. That's so, so interesting because,
1: because, well, at least in the modern day, uh, modern Visual Studio, that's the Windows IDE, mm-hmm. uh, by default, when you hit debug, it's running a profiler in the background. Have you ever noticed it? It docs on the right-hand side of the screen. It tells you your CPU usage and your memory usage, and it has these little graphs that update in real time.
0: Yeah, when you do, like, a WPF or a UWP application, right?
1: Or a uh, Forms, like I keep writing. <laughs>
0: oh, I guess because I haven't done it in so long. Like, I mean, yeah. I guess you do UWP. Mm-hmm. I I do do that, and those little things come up, and I'm like, oh, what are these nice little charts? It's really fantastic, because
1: something that we've left out, and actually you asked this question earlier, what's the last detail that you actually need? Well, it's nice to know that you're using so much CPU and so much memory, but really you got to dig down to the why. (laughs) What am I doing wrong here that's taking up so much CPU? And for that, we need stack traces. We need to know what lines of code are actually causing a either these objects to be created so often, or B um, what's burning my CPU? <laughs> what, what's it's stuck in an infinite loop that's taken so long to finish? Yeah. And for that, you need a stack trace. And the nice thing about the Visual Studio built-in stuff, like I said, it's nice. It's just always on, and B it gives you stacks. So if you click on a CPU part, it'll give you I probably the hottest stack at that point. I don't know how how exactly it works. I use a Mac. <laughs>
0: I need to. I need to see a session on this. I think that you need to give a talk at a user group about how you profile your, ah, your window forms. <laughs> well, I, mean, yeah, I always. It's important. It for, I always see it for UWP, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I yeah. just never actually thought about. Going deeper on it to be <laughs> I don't know. Well, like
1: I said, it matters for the kind of app you're writing. Like uh take Calca for instance. Every time someone types a letter, I have to reparse the whole document, make sense of what they're saying, reformat the document, recalculate everything into document, re re output the document, recolor that output a document, and then show it to the screen. Every time someone clicks a button. Yeah. And so that path of code, I just sat in there for in a profiler constantly type the letter a see what code executes type the letter b see what code executes i literally just jam the keyboard and type as fast as i possibly can just you know trying to uh cause performance bugs so that you can witness the performance bugs Mm. and in the end what that gives me is like if i find a spot where i'm actually really burning the cpu i can click on it it tells me what code's executing and then you know all computer science problems you solve it with a cache, you just figure out a way not to call that code so often, and then you move on to the next performance problem yeah,
0: it makes sense It's that a fun sense.
1: cycle actually it, it's yeah, a little investigative work um because, serious development. <laughs> And and it's fun because you get to choose. When you, when you profile your code, you'll see, oh, my God, there's these 10 different things, and they're all so slow. And so you have to start deciding, oh, well, this one takes 30% of the time. This one takes 20% of the time. However, I can fix the 20% one very easily. So you do that one first, and you just start knocking pegs off until you get the performance that you want.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking now. I actually look up. If you go hit the analyze, it's actually Alt-F2. But um, on PC, it's performance profiler. And I'm looking here, and you can choose between like just whatever the startup project is. If an app is already installed, you can profile mm-hmm. it and XE and ASP.NET application, even, I guess, a browser web page on a Windows phone or something kind of crazy. Yeah. It's and actually th- been
1: it, it's been built in for quite some time. But to be honest, I wasn't a big fan of it. It was a bit clunky in its early versions, but they've really cleaned it up in Visual Studio of 2015. It's really yeah. smooth.
0: This is cool there's so I'm gonna list the tools there's nine tools Are you ready Oh God there's application lifetime or sorry application timeline is essentially where time is spent in your application useful for troubleshooting like low frame rate GPU usage so GPU CPU G, GPU stuff mm-hmm. uh, memory usage that's pretty pretty easy if you're gonna find some memory links uh, CPU usage would be the reverse of GPU uh, on your CPU not your GPU um html ui responsiveness so i guess if you're doing web page network so http requests and headers payloads cookies timing data yep. energy consumption i don't know how they do that i guess if it's a i guess that makes sense that they can you
1: can culminate everything add it all together probably
0: javascript memory and then performance wizard which is actually a <laughs> lot of things it's it's a cpu sampling instrumentation dotnet memory allocation and resource <laughs> content content contention, contention. It, sound,
1: it sounds very important resource contention, resource contention. <laughs> it, it's probably a threading thing
0: mm, that's a lot of stuff that's totally
1: um, uh but you did just make me check instruments which is apple's offering for performance mm. and i gotta say it has 17 different
0: profilers built into it whoa
1: 17 <laughs> I, I won't bore everyone by reading
0: them <laughs> so the ios one's called instruments correct
1: Uh, It's it's the one for the Mac and it's Mac and iOS and tvOS and watchOS. It's it's just Apple's
0: profiler.
1: Okay. And that comes with Xcode. When you install Xcode on a Mac, you get it for free.
0: So if you're doing obviously Objective-C or Swift, it, you'd expect to use that. But what mm-hmm. if you're using Xamarin stuff? Like, can you have you used that before in the past? I mean, I know we have a profiler now, but is it useful or no? Oh, like ab- Android absolutely. One's useful, but. I, I, uh,
1: the Xamarin team's done good work uh, to make sure that the stack trace that I said, which is kind of the most important part out of all this, that that comes out nice and clean, uh, as in it's actually giving you Xamarin class names and function names and all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. So if you have everything figured right and i'll put some caveats on there because they have some kind of baroque things where some things have to be named a certain way and whatever you know the moon has to be in the right place but generally speaking you can get nice stack traces using apple's native tool which is fantastic because there's lots of docs on it and everything but you mentioned xamarin now has their own profiler
0: yeah it's actually now it's included in VS Enterprise or something like that, I think, um, for MSDN Okay. and it works on Mac or PC. So you can do Android, iOS, and I guess Mac applications too. So if you're doing Xamarin, Mac applications. Mm -hmm. And I actually had Nina come on the Xamarin show. It's not out yet, um, but Nina uh, is the PM that was working on uh, the profiler. And she kind of walked me through mostly through cycles, a lot of cycles. (laughs) Cycles. Um, do you want? Do you want to explain cycles? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she, so she walked through. She was like, "There's um. So there's essentially, I think, um. There's three key instruments that they added. There's allocations, um, cycles, and time profiling. Yeah. So um,
1: allocations and time profiling are basically what we've talked about already. Time profiling make it fast. Allocations make sure it fits into memory. And then cycles. Cycles is a tricky part. Cycles is a little bit of um, the garbage collector's not doing what you wish it was doing. And you got to figure out why.
0: Yes. You think just because you're writing everything in C sharp that the garbage collector knows everything about everything. And it
1: knows mostly 99.9999.
0: <laughs> <Yeah. Almost> <laughs> but... <laughs> um, you had a really, you know, you had the best uh, example of of trying to explain cycles because it's it, it when 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 it was explained to me multiple times by you by miguel by nina i was like oh no i totally get this i just i never heard it anyone call it cycles before sure uh, for some reason but essentially think of it like what did you say? you have two islands right you have island a and island b is that yeah what, is that we'll
1: just go with a and b they can be anything let's go with islands that sounds nice And we have A that references B. So somehow knowledge of B is in A. A has a pointer to B, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But now also B has a pointer to A. Now this is where a lot of memory management schemes go insane. So you have languages like Swift, which is not garbage collected. It's reference counted. And it has troubles with this scenario. But garbage collectors, no problem. A can point to B. B can point to A. That's a cycle. These two have a little reference cycle
0: with each other. So you get rid of a it should get rid of b
1: yeah as long as nothing else sees a nothing else sees b because they're their own little cycle and they don't look at anything else no one knows about them they can just vanish they can be garbage collected and gone whereas in a reference counted system that's a lot harder (laughs) because nah, whatever think it through you'll get it (laughs) they just never free but that said Say you do actually have just one last little object pointing to that cycle. Well, that cycle stays alive and that cycle can reference other things and bigger things. And so the trick here is actually if you accidentally have one reference to one of these cycles and you just assume that that cycle went away, but because of this one remaining reference, it just won't go away. And that's what you want to find.
0: Yeah. And I used the tool, which was, uh, for iOS, I, I tried it out. And when I did cycles and it was a very sim- simple, a very, very simple, um, thing that people probably do all the time is you have a table view or a collection view of stuff and it has a data source and you want your data from your view controller. So you pass the view controller down to your, your, um, <laughs> yep. to your data source and then boom, there's a cycle and yep. you can't. This is I mean, classic A equals A to B, B to A. This has
1: the problem, though. Like I said, cycles are not an issue at all with a garbage collector. Yeah. But they come, become an issue the moment you're talking to a non-garbage-collected API like Coco, like the UI for, and, um, for iOS. I think Android's probably safe. I don't know. But definitely iOS is not garbage-collected. So these little cycles drive it insane. <laughs> and so you really got to find them and squash them.
0: Yeah, and I think that I think mostly for Android it's okay. It it depends though, right? Because <laughs> there are two garbage collectors running and then there's a bridge, so it yeah. gets a little bit tricky. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but but normally it shouldn't be too big of an issue, but in that instance that totally makes sense, right? Like literally there is this opposite side of the world. Uh, Nina says it's kind of like Stranger Things. It's like the Mm -hmm. upside down. That's right. That was a good analogy. Yeah. Then
1: the the managed world versus the native world. The garbage collected world versus the scary reference counted world.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And it actually kind of blew my mind when I saw it. Like it it literally, you just go into cycles, you hit the tab and it's like, here are your cycles. It's like, here's your problems. (laughs) I was like, whoa, that's cool. (laughs) Well, see, I actually haven't seen that.
1: So I'll have to check that out. I'm used to finding cycles the old way. You look at every reference to every other object and you keep chasing references until everything makes sense yeah you're gonna use pain. it it's gonna
0: blow your mind <laughs> um but frank you know what else is gonna blow your mind what's that um our good friends i gotta take a little break here our good friends over at bitrise um, um friends of the show and sponsor of the show bitrise um amazing company it's a, a personal friends personal great friends of the company um i love this bitrise i found bitrise Oh, geez. A while ago, maybe a year ago or so. Essentially, I was looking for a way to take my GitHub repo with my applications and have it build my Xamarin applications, have it just ship my apps up to test cloud, ship my apps off to hockey app and, and kind of make, you know, this workflow of like, hey, every single time I commit code, like build it, sign it, bump versions, like do everything so I never have to do it. It's kind of like, you know, I always said DevOps is kind of everything that you don't want to do, so you should automate all of it. That's Bitrise for your mobile apps. Um, it's pretty amazing. Bitrise essentially... You use them, Frank, right? You use Bitrise?
1: I do use them. And actually, I just had the most exciting use of it recently. I finally got my biggest app, Continuous, which is just this gigantic hunk of code. (laughs) (laughs) And I finally got it tamed under the uh, CI, under Bitrise. And for the first time, I was finally getting emails where I would, um, sorry, I would push up to GitHub check in my code. It's all up there. And then I'd get an email a couple minutes later where I can actually install the app. And that just felt tremendous and amazing because I don't have to think about it anymore. I can just focus on the code and then it gets distributed to all my testers.
0: It's a, it's a good, it's a good thing. And BitRise is just that service, right? They handle the cloud builds. You don't have to worry about Macs or PCs or anything that is handled at all for you. And then you can integrate into all these services, right? So you can integrate into Hockey app. You can integrate into test Cloud. You can integrate into, you know, Fastlane. You can integrate all these things because they have these powerful workflows. Essentially, you say, Hey, listen, I'll restore my NuGets, you know, bump my versions, package this thing up, blah, blah, blah. And you can modify your code even when it's getting pulled down. You can do it, right? It's great. Um, iOS, Mac. Android, Xamarin applications, you can automate them with BitRise in minutes. I love it. Big fan, personal users, both me and Frank. Um, sponsors of the show, and you can actually learn more about BitRise and support merge conflict by going to bitrise.io slash mergeconflict. That's bitrise.io slash mergeconflict. And there's a coupon code for you, $25 off their pro plan. They have a great free plan, but I like to go pro. I have a lot of applications and I want to do multiple builds at a time. When you upgrade to pro, Enter the promo code resolve-conflict. It's on that page, bitrise.io slash mergeconflict. $25 off your pro plan. Check them out, bitrise.io slash mergeconflict.
1: That's fantastic.
0: Thank you, Bitrise. Thanks, Bitrise. So you're profiling, we're doing stuff. Um, (laughs) Is it when you find issues? Like, Is that when you start profiling your applications? Or is it (laughs) like your, your users are like, hey, this really sucks on my iPhone 4S? Yeah, it, it's, 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 it's
1: like testing. You don't want to leave it all to the very end. And so I, I, I do want to get to a topic of premature optimization. So I don't want to like create this um, fear situation. <laughs> but I definitely profile my apps kind of maybe on a weekly basis when I'm developing them. And that's mostly just for reassurance. I just want to know I'm not burning the CPU. I'm not burning the network. Yeah. Um, it's just good peace of mind. And the sooner you profile, the more often you do it the less you're going to have to do it at the end of the project. So it's totally worth doing in the middle, especially if you're writing something like a game where performance is definitely a feature or anything where performance is a feature. It's almost always a feature, but (laughs) definitely where the user will notice it if you're getting bad performance.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that even I do different types of profiling of applications, not only in this sense, but there's like I said, there's a lot of these amazing tools in Android. But now I kind of think even with the um, inspector that we have is I had this big issue with some of my Android applications where the performance was actually slow because I was actually constructing too complex of user interfaces and too many layers. A common mistake I see people do is like they'll set a background color on Android for the window. Mm-hmm. And when you set a background color, it actually like creates a whole nother layer that has to render.
1: I saw this for the very first time at the uh, Fringe conference in Portland this year. Someone was describing this performance problem of Android and that its layering system is really quite slow for some reason. Yes. We- we've never really had that on iOS because pretty much everything is GPU layer backed. Mm-hmm. But I guess on Android, it's less aggressive. And so you really get penalized for layering things.
0: Yeah, you get you, get, you do, and, and there's a lot of built-in tools that will that give you those, like oh, this is red, this is overlapping, mm-hmm. and kind of help you do that. And then, of course, like obviously, as you start removing these objects, it's going to bring down your memory usage in general. Mm-hmm. So and that's where actually a profiling tool comes up. It's like if I I, I do this, I want to start doing this now in all my applications, which is I would like to actually like record a profiling session. Um, before I make UI changes, like I'm like, oh, I'm going to wow. redo this user interface or adjust some things. Like, this is some
1: pro-level stuff here.
0: Well, think about it, right? If you're, especially on Android, you start adding layers, like, did I just increase, is the change, am I, optim- am I adding, but then losing all the stuff that I've already optimized? Sure, and this is actually
1: a very important aspect of uh, a profiling tool. So instruments, for example, when you do a recording, that's what they call it, you're just recording an interaction with the app and it records all the CPU usage. Uh, the next time you do a recording it doesn't throw away the old one it's just put in a stack and quite often i jump between two to absolutely double check a did my change make it faster or b did my change actually make it worse in the long run or worse i just made this big change and nothing else changed which meant i was completely misinterpreting what the the profiler was telling me and i made a mistake so it's oh. really important to keep your last runs. Now, I haven't taken the very professional step of uh, saving your recording so that you can detect performance regressions. Mm. That That's uh, having proper performance tests, I think is definitely pro level, but super hard, especially when you never know what machine's gonna be running your test.
0: Yeah, that's true. How do you manage when your applications are running on so many different devices? Yeah. I mean, I think for Android, it's a huge problem because there's so many different devices. (laughs) But have you seen it actually makes a huge difference?
1: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Going back to continuous, my IDE, uh, that's doing the same trick Calca does. Every time you type a character, it has a whole big, busy bunch of work it has to do. And I developed the app on an iPad Pro, and lo and behold, the iPad Pro has a very big CPU, is very forgiving, has lots of memory. It just basically acts like a desktop computer. Yeah. I sent this thing out to my beta testers, and immediately everyone's like, this doesn't run at all on my oh, iPad. No. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was bad i mean i I thought that i was being smart i had like all the heavy what i thought was the heavy stuff on background threads so it should never interact with the ui so they sent me these reports i'm like no you must be wrong i'm not doing anything on the ui (laughs) so i had to actually dig out my oldest ipad get that thing under a profiler and then i saw the chaos that i was creating it was just pegged out at 100 percent cpu for 15 seconds at a time <laughs> like oh god
0: <laughs> i guess that's the importance of actually yeah profiling on a device not a simulator not an emulator, oh right? yeah
1: i'll profile on the simulator once or twice just to get a general feel but almost always i'm on device it, you you have to do a release build on device it's no sense in um doing performance stuff with a debug build it's just not worth it um yeah, and you,
0: yeah. and it's kind of funny i get these tweets all the time and people asking me like what should i buy like when i want to get started with mobile development <laughs> and i mean to be honest like when you want to get started like there are solutions to do cloud you know mm-hmm. builds mm-hmm. remote on mac and cloud right so sure, i can connect with yeah. this mac But to be honest, like sometimes it's just better to have that Mac, like a Mac mini sitting around, like here's my Mac mini, just like so you can plug in a physical iPad. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you can use the test cloud to test our applications. But at the same time, like at some point, you need to pull out that iPhone (laughs) 5, right? Not 5S, 5, and be like, all right, (laughs) here I go. I'm going to install this on this four-year-old, you know. Device.
1: Yeah, gosh, because- I had iCircuit running on iOS five up to like a year ago or something. I kept this little 3GS around, and I would still run iCircuit on it just to make sure. I would still put it under a profiler to see if I could do any better. You, it's you have to, especially with the variety of um, devices out these days. And I would actually recommend um, for this development device, never get a good one. Always get basically what everyone else has. Get the cheapest one on Craigslist, and that's an excellent development device.
0: Yeah, I used to do. I used to do a lot of my development on the iPod Touches because they never had the newer stuff. They're always oh, right,
1: Sure. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and, then, and they never had like the amount of RAM, and they never had the yeah. amount of you know the horsepower of all the uh, fancy iPhones, but can still run all your applications, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, as long as it's keeping up with the most modern operating system, that's the time to ditch a de- <clears throat> device if Apple stops supporting them or Google stops supporting. Google yeah. never stops supporting, do they? Um, the support libraries ways. go all the way back. Mm, no? Okay.
0: No, I mean, I think we talked on the lightning talk round. So lightning talk round, we did episode 20 and we did one on like, when should you, you know, kill your apps, yeah. you know, specific platforms. I'm going to type right here because you can hear me typing. I type in Android <laughs> dashboard. And what's actually interesting about this, is this is actually a good wealth of knowledge because you can say like how many people are using KitKat and above, which is about 90%. Um, Jelly Bean and Above is gonna be like 97% of all users. And these are people that have hit the app store in a seven-day period in November, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also see screen sizes. You can say, Oh, what is the normal DPI? And and you know, who what people are using OpenGL? So, like right now, everyone has 2.0 and above essentially. But if yeah. you're only if you have an OpenGL super intensive app, you better be testing on OpenGL ES 2.0 because forty three percent of the people still have OpenGL 2.0, right?
1: Who's got 3.0? What percentage?
0: Uh, forty two, and then fifteen percent have 3.1.
1: Ooh, that's that's r- That's pretty rough. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> only forty percent.
0: Darn. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Very important. Um, profile on real devices, not futuristic ones, and not super old ones.
0: Yeah. And also I would say what's important here is when we talk about profiling, we talk about the devices that you need and the things you want to test. Um, you know, you don't actually have to, I'm a big fan of getting some sort of analytics on my devices. And some people are scared of, you know, risk, you know, getting that data from their sure. users. Yep. You're collecting but, information. Yep. But Google, Google and Apple will tell you pretty much who's installing your application. I'm not sure how much Apple does. You probably have more stats, but when I go to Google and I go to my Google play dashboard, it'll tell me um, almost everything about my users like for free. Right? So when I go into play.google.com slash app slash publish and I type on, let's say bike. Now my biking application, I can see where people are using it, where it was installed, the usage under statistics. We can see that, oh, device. Okay, so the number one device for my app is the Galaxy S6 followed by the Nexus 5X. um, Tablet, yeah, yeah, app version. You can see the Android version, so the number one version of my app is 6.0. And then, yeah, no one is using (laughs) anything past 4.4, which makes sense, right? So yeah, and it even tells you like the the actual averages, because this is just like when people install it, they can grab that data right there. So it's not actually any user specific data. So take a look at that data, right? Like that's important. You can do seven day chunk, 30 day chunk, lifetime chunk mm-hmm. of your app and be like, oh, this is like super cool. Like I can literally see that almost, you know, no one's using Android seven yet, but everyone's on six. So like test on that, like you know, deploy on that, see what device is popular.
1: And that's the nice thing about profiling and optimization. If you get it running well on an old device, chances are it'll run really well on a new device. So it's well worth the time. Yeah. I have one more topic I want to jump into with this. Mm -hmm. Um, That is, I keep stressing that I'm a big optimization freak, but I've made one big important turning point in my career, and that is I learned to use a profiler Rather than making a million micro-optimizations in my code, do you know the kind that I mean? Like, you type a line of code, and in the back of your head, you're like, well, I know that's not super efficient. I could rewrite it and then make it more efficient. You know that? Do
0: you have that voice? I do that all the time. I mean, I try to be anti-arrow, but sometimes, like, I'll write a for loop, and I'll do some stuff. And I'm like, I could probably do, like, this with, like... A link query and i could probably do some like other thing where i remove this variable and, like this would be a little bit better like that like that yeah
1: yeah and actually i'm i'm the opposite with the link uh, i'll write the link first but then in the back of my head i actually know how inefficient link actually is <laughs> and so i'll rewrite it into the for loop because i'm terrible yeah. Um, I, I just want to make a recommendation out there to everyone. Don't do that. <laughs> Write the link code. <laughs> Write it as possibly, as simply as you possibly can and making it work. Don't think at all about performance or optimization. And I mean that deep down. The only time you care about performance and optimization are after you've ran a profiler on their code. And mm-hmm. it can give you objective facts about what is taking up memory and what is taking up CPU because I've been developing for many years. I've been writing high-performance apps for many years, and to this day, I still guess at the wrong things that I think are slowing down an app. I'll say, I know this function is slow. I know that must be what's causing all the trouble. Put it under a profiler, and it says, no, you idiot, it's that other line over there.
0: Yeah, that's right. Why why try to prematurely optimize everything when you don't even know if there is a problem, right?
1: Yeah, you need that objective clarity. We all get close to our code. We all have these giant egos that tell us we know what we think is going on. But the truth is, you just need a proper measurement tool. And the profiler is so awesome. It's such a good tool.
0: I love it. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to integrate the profiler into my daily life now.
1: Not Probably. daily, weekly, monthly. Weekly, you know, week-time. just don't leave it for the end. That's bad. <laughs>
0: oh, I love I love this. this has been this has been awesome. Uh, I love I love this talk. And I think just more tools kind of as we get kind of a little bit deeper into development and some of these topics. A lot of people are new, like me, even a profiling. I've been developing for over a decade. And I. It's still new. It's still fun to learn mm. how to make better apps. Yeah, right? Built exciting better apps. times ahead then. I am so excited. Well, that's awesome. Um, thanks, Frank, uh, for joining me yet again on this beautiful, beautiful podcast that we have together. Um, I do want to – and we never ask, but I figured I'd ask why not. If mm. you love our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes. We really like that. We're trying to climb, climb the charts over there. But also be active and tweet at us. Let us know what you want to hear. We had awesome, awesome feedback from our um, – lightning talks rounds where we actually talked what you guys wanted to talk about so if you guys want to hear certain topics let us know um you can just find us at MergeConflict.fm, and you obviously can see all of our you know twitter and facebook shenanigans on there but that's about it that's all i wanted to mention frank anything from you no i think we did a pretty good one on this awesome well until next time i'm james montemagno and i'm frank krueger thanks for listening